thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome, wonderful listeners, to another great episode of Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are so excited. We're just off the back of an amazing event we had down in uh, Fremantle this last weekend uh, on the Friday night. I'm sure you girls knew a lot about it already. So excited to have seen so many people at our Heal Your Gut event with uh, the amazing Cal Brock. Thank you so much for coming up and saying hi. Thank you for all the compliments and uh, and sharing your stories of just how you've taken the information we provide and turned that into something that's life-changing for yourself. So well done for stepping outside, getting your tickets and getting in the door and making sure you sat there taking in some incredible stuff. It was just an amazing night, wasn't it, Andrea? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm still coming down from it. I, I don't think I've sort of, you know, come back to earth uh, properly yet from that. It was incredible and it was so, so nice to meet you all. So we look forward to the next one where hopefully we'll meet more of you again. Um, but let's get on to today anyway. We'll, because we'll stop n- bragging about that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but look, this next guest is the kind of person we want to have come over to Perth. So we're talking to someone very special. Um, he's a great friend of ours. We absolutely love the work he does. Um, he's a dynamic individual. He has so many branches to his life and and the things that he does for people and how he serves, you know, a great deal of people in the great things he does. He's co-host of one of Australia's number one health podcasts, The Wellness Guys Show, and also that paleo show as well. So he's not just doing one thing. He's got his hand in every pie, which is extraordinary. He's um, co-host and co-founder of Australia's leading podcast channel, The Wellness Couch, which we're such a pleasure to be part of. And um, I mean, he's written magazines. He's been in newspapers. He's been in terms of writing books. I mean, we just can't wait to talk and find out so much more about this wonderful gentleman. Uh, welcome, Dr. Brad Hill. Thanks for having me. Um, Good to be and, here. Uh, ladies, if you've ever seen uh, Brett Hill live, you will know that he is uh, who we refer to as our like gorgeous barefoot caveman. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> Brett kind of embodies all things um Oh, I guess that, uh, what's the best way to describe it, Brett? It would be almost like that paleo lifestyle, I guess, which is, of course, why you've got, you know, that, that paleo show as well, um, because you're definitely embodiment of not just, you know, the, that eating principle, but also that lifestyle as well. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's just natural. That's what I think of it as. <laughs> That's a better way to put it. It's just natural. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> doesn't mean he doesn't shower or any of those sorts of things. Uh, it's just, yeah, he it just embodies this lifestyle. <laughs> And that's definitely what we're going to talk to Brett about today is what that paleo lifestyle really means. Um, We're going to debunk a few of the myths around, um, you know, the paleo way of eating and the paleo lifestyle. We're also going to talk about being barefoot and why he does that and maybe why we could uh, incorporate some of those principles into our life as well. Um, So, Brett, how did you get onto this journey? It depends where you want to start. <laughs> so, but but if you go right back, I mean, really, the journey started for me through chiropractic, um, and it was really just a matter of me trying to decide what I want to do as a career for the rest of my life. And I sat down and started looking at all of the different job options that were out there. I was in about year ten. I got the big job guide, and I looked through all the different <laughs> jobs. And I'd always wanted to do something where I could help people. You know, even from a really young age, I wanted to do that. 
Um, and I love nature. You know, we mentioned nature before. I love nature. I love the outdoors. I love camping and fishing and all that sort of stuff. And so as I started to read about, you know, some of these more natural approaches to health, it just made a lot of sense to me that that was the direction I might like to go. And and the more I read about this one called chiropractic, the more I thought that just seems to make sense. You know, if I get my spine functioning right, then my nervous system will function right and my body will be healthier. And I thought, well, that makes sense to me. So I decided to go see a chiropractor. Um, and that was really the start of my journey. You know, I, I'd never been horribly sick, but I'd never been a particularly healthy young kid either. You know, I was always getting coughs and colds and infections and all that sort of stuff. I was I was quite asthmatic. I was um I always had a lot of trouble sleeping. Um and so, you know, without wanting to uh, you know, get myself in trouble for making any claims about chiropractic or any of that sort of thing. But you know, I went and saw a chiropractor. It may have been chiropractic, it may not have been chiropractic. I don't know what happened, but something happened. Um, and seemingly I got a little bit better. And so I thought, hey, this chiropractic stuff seems kind of cool and I decided to become a chiropractor. And so it was really my exposure to chiropractic and the chiropractic philosophy um, that really led me um, along this journey. You know, the more I learned about chiropractic philosophy, you know, the, this core concept that your body doesn't need any help to be healthy. It just needs no interference, that your body's actually intelligent, that it's actually clever, that it's actually designed and has evolved over millions of years to be healthy, just made so much sense to me. Because like I said, I love nature. I love the outdoors. You know, my best subject at school was geography because I just loved looking at how nature, natural systems work. And so, you know, I would look at, for example, a rainforest and think, well, you know, if we went to that pristine, perfect rainforest in the middle of nowhere, how could we make it better? You know, and I ask people this all the time, how could we make it better? And the answer is always, well, you can't, right? Even if you tried to do the right thing, you know, even if you tried to maybe introduce a, an organic fertilizer into there or, you know, whatever it was you were trying to do that, that, you know, in your educated mind you might think might make it better, would actually throw it out of balance because it's in such perfect, healthy balance. It's exactly how it's designed to be. And so that, that philosophy that nature needs no help, just no interference made so much sense that when I started thinking about the human body in that way, and, you know, it's, isn't it funny how we never really think about the human body in that way? Like we think of nature and when I talk to people at nature, it makes sense to them. They're like, oh, yeah, rainforest. Yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. But then they think that their body is somehow totally different to that. And so when I started applying these principles, you know, I started, I started realizing all the incongruencies in my life in terms of how I ate and how I thought and what I did and the way I exercised and all those sort of things. And, and the more I started, you know, studying chiropractic and going to chiropractic seminars and going and observing chiropractors, I was just learning all this amazing stuff about nutrition and exercise and mindset and, and all sorts of cool stuff that then really shaped my philosophy going forward. So for me, it really all started from chiropractic and from chiropractic philosophy. That's brilliant. Yeah, awesome. And that's the experience we share with our listeners as well because um, it's a lifestyle and that's what we try and uh, reiterate each each episode with every topic we do. It's if only there was a pill for every ill, you know, if only there was one thing would fix everything. And just like you said, you can't add something into a perfect system and think it's not going to have an impact somewhere down the line, just like uh, in that beautiful rainforest. So when it came down to obviously realizing that that was the journey you wanted to be on, what is it about the paleo lifestyle, the paleo way of eating that really appealed to you and resonated with you with this natural way of fueling the body, fueling the systems for what it actually needs? Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, for me, I didn't know what paleo was when I first started the journey. So, you know, at, at that stage, I was working at Bunnings when I was going through, you know, <laughs> high school and university. I loved my Bunnings sausages, you know. We've and, all done uh, those jobs. Oh, <laughs> but my, my typical lunch when I worked at Bunnings was usually a pie, a pasty, a 1.25 litre soft drink and often a Mars bar as well. And I would eat that 
like several days a week. You know, whenever I was at uni, I was at Bunnings, and I was, and that's what I'd have for lunch. And you know, I used to drink a lot. You know, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, sometimes a couple other nights of the week as well. We'd go out and and have big nights and party and do all those sort of things you do when you're young and stu- you know students <laughs> and seemingly in- indestructible. And um, so you know, I was a fair way off living a paleo lifestyle, and and, and I didn't know what paleo was. Uh, but, you know, as I said, the more I learned about this chiropractic philosophy, the more I started realizing that the lifestyle I was leaving not only wasn't congruent with me and, and my body being healthy, but also wasn't congruent with the career I was planning on taking forward. Um, you know, I realized that if, if that's the way I was living, I didn't have much hope of inspiring other people to live a healthier life either. Um, and so I just naturally started making changes. Um, so, you know, it wasn't that I all of a sudden did like a 30-day paleo cleanse and jumped straight into it. I, I just naturally started changing some things, you know, so it was like... Like, well, okay, you know, maybe if instead of having, you know, the pie, maybe, I'll, I don't know, maybe I'll have like a, a piece of meat, you know, maybe I'll have some uh, the chicken salad instead of the pie, you know, and, and so it just gradually started to change, you know, maybe if I had like a glass of water between each of these beers, then I might do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was just tiny little changes like that, like repeated over and over and over again. You know, I went from having coffee with milk and like two or three sugars in it to then having black coffee to then having black tea to then having green tea to then having more herbal tea but you know over like a 10-year period um so just gradually i started making changes and changes and changes and it wasn't really until years later um when i started reading stuff from people like dr mccullough i started learning stuff from people like james chestnut uh rob wolf you know i started learning about this whole sort of primal paleo innate lifestyle um, that I realized that I kind of wasn't the only one doing this thing and that actually it was, it was quite a big movement that was happening. And the results spoke for themselves. Obviously, uh, as you made those transitions and changes, you were obviously feeling better because there was obviously something that was happening that was reinforcing the choices you were making. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, you know, for a lot of people, they'll talk about, you know, weight changes or, you know, chronic disease or, you know, you, know, you hear these amazing stories. And, I feel like I don't really have an amazing story about paleo. <laughs> like, like I, I was, you know, I was as skinny as when I was eating that. I mean, people hate me saying this, but when I was eating a pie, a pasty, a 1.25 liter soft drink and a Mars bar and going out and drinking beer all night, I was way skinnier than I am now. Like I was just one of those annoying people. Um, so <laughs> it's you know, exactly it, it, what I thought when you were saying that, by the way, I thought if I yeah. had that I would not get through the door. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it's like that bastard. I can hear all the girls saying that, and that's okay. I can I can live with that. Um, that's fair. Um, you know, well, I didn't have like chronic disease. Though, well, exactly. Because you were skinny. Um, yeah. You obviously yeah, I was asymptomatically really unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you know, I mean, I did get lots lots of coughs and colds. I used to get sinus issues. I had trouble falling asleep. I had, um, you know, my energy probably wasn't as good as it could be. Although, you know, strangely. I was able to, you know, go all night. It was never a problem. Uh, the, um, you know, the, but but when I started making those changes, I definitely noticed differences in terms of things like, yeah, you know, for me it was a lot more subtle things. It was things like my energy. It was things like my productivity. It was things like my moods. Um, it was those more subtle things. But but it was really just a realization that I was I could do more. I could get more out of my life when I was living that way. I was productivity was probably honestly the biggest thing that I noticed in terms of a change was that I was just able to be more and do more um, when I was living that way. And that's how we all want to be, isn't it? We'd love to maximise our time on this beautiful planet. And uh, it's sometimes surprising for people to understand that their dietary choices are actually taking away so much of the quality of their life because if you don't know how it is to be different to that, you think, oh, this is how it is. Um, And yet you're showing that even though you did 
go through that experience. You did have your pie a day and, uh, you know, one half litres of Coke. You've chosen to see that there was changes that could be made um, in small incremental ways. And that's really what uh, a lot of your book that you wrote, you know, How to Eat an Elephant was all about, wasn't it? It was just, it's not about always tipping the whole life you currently live upside down and expecting yourself to adapt well to that. Sometimes it's the small things done over and over that actually have the greatest impact long term. Yeah, because for the vast majority of people, it doesn't work, right? Because most people can relate to this. Most people have started a crash diet. They've started a New Year's mm-hmm. Eve exercise regime. They've started a, you know, hour a day everyday yoga practice or a, you know, hour a day everyday meditation practice that they've decided, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life and gotten about three weeks in and realized that they couldn't maintain it or sustain it. I mean, I think just about everyone on the planet has done that at some stage or, or another. And, you know, there's a small percentage of people who can do that. Like maybe 5 or 10% of people can go and do their like 30-day paleo challenge and go, I feel great. This is awesome. I'm just going to keep doing it forever. Um, but for the rest of us mere mortals, it, it just doesn't work. And, and most of the time, we end up falling off the wagon. Now, that's not to say that it's not a good idea to do it. I, I still think it's a good idea to do it because what it does is it shows you what's possible. You know, it, 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 someone described it the other day to me that as it's almost like a little thorn in your side that says, hey, do you know what? If you made that change these are the results you could get. And it will just kind of nag away at you then from, from then onwards to think that, hey, maybe if I did make some changes, I could go a little bit better. And, and for many people, they don't even realize that there's a better out there. Many people have just gotten so used to being sick and so used to functioning poorly that they've just started to think that's normal. Um, and the fact that so many people around them are experiencing the same things just reinforces that idea that it's normal. And and I really hope people understand that just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. It's a really important distinction between what's common and what's normal that we often get mixed up. So I think doing you know some, one of those 30-day challenges can be a good thing, but for most people – They won't be able to maintain it for the long term. And what they then need to do is start creating a way for them to make long-term sustainable changes. And that's what I spoke about in How to Eat an Elephant. And it was really all about doing basically what I did, you know, finding small bite-sized chunks. You know, I often talked about Kaizen, which is a Japanese principle, which is small steps of continual and never-ending improvement. I loved that. I, I found that when I was really young and I thought, that's just the coolest idea and it really works. Because the reason it works is rather than setting you up for failure, it sets you up for success. You know, if you pick one small thing you want to change and you decide to change that or, and it's the one thing that you would most like to change and you decide to change that in just one small increment, then you're really setting yourself up for success. You know, my idea is make it so easy that you couldn't possibly fail. You know, because if you make it so easy that you couldn't possibly fail, guess what happens? You succeed. Right? And when you succeed, you feel good about yourself. You know, not only because you've succeeded, but because you started to notice changes. And that makes it easier to take the next little step. And so it's really like a snowball effect. When you start making these sustainable changes bit by bit, one bite at a time, you actually, you know, it's often said that we overestimate how much we can do in a day and underestimate how much we can do in a year. You know, when you keep doing that repeatedly, little step by little step, it's phenomenal how much change you can make in a year or five years or 10 years. You know, you can be like me and totally flip your diet and your life upside down. Um, but you do it easily and you do it sustainably without that sort of yo-yo dieting that often is actually more stressful and damaging to your body than beneficial. Oh, couldn't agree more with that. We talk about not guilting yourself and shaming yourself into change and that's often what happens when you do the, I guess, the aggressive change. You want to do it and you, you set yourself this hard timeline with these intense amounts of changes going on in a short period 
and inevitably, like you said, the 90% of us mortals are going to fail at that. And then what do we do? We beat ourselves up. We bash ourselves down. We say, see, I'm not good enough. See, I couldn't do it. So it reinforces all the negative self-belief structures we already have. And uh, instead, we could be doing it this lovely, gentle, subtle transition that actually makes us thrive and feel good about ourselves and and get excited about what's the next thing. Like, what can I do now? Like, I I got that. I've got it. And and celebrate the wins. So much more fun. Oh, heaps (laughs) more fun. Okay, so Brett, let's talk a bit about what this whole paleo lifestyle is all about. And I think that, and it's no secret that it's had a lot of criticism from all sorts of different sources, um, you know, and a lot of it's completely unfounded. But I think putting, almost putting a label on it, giving it that title, almost makes people think that maybe it's a fad. Whereas we know that it's not, but I'm going to let you go into that. So, Brett, can you kind of just describe what a paleo way of eating or a paleo lifestyle is is all about? Yeah, yeah. It's a fad that's been around for the last several million years. Yeah, funny so that, it's, huh? It's kind, of, it's, yeah. it's kind of hanging around that fad, right? Yeah. So, but but really, it, it, it is, <laughs> yeah, natural. You know, it's living the way your body's designed to, to live. So, you know, it's no secret that our bodies evolved over millions and millions of years to be perfectly suited to the environment that we lived in. Um, and the environment we lived in and that we evolved in was very, very different to the environment we live in today. Um, and so it's just about trying to get back to, you know, not exactly the same as how we lived as cavemen because, you know, I don't want to live in a cave. I quite like my Wi-Fi connection. You know, I, I like to be able to have a shower, you know. But, but so, so I'm not trying to go back to that, but I'm trying to get closer to that and take some of the stress off of my body that, that exist from being so far away from the way our bodies are designed. So, you know, they say that genetically we haven't really changed in the last 100,000 years, okay? So, um, you know, there's other factors that come into that. You know, we need to understand that, you know, our microbiome has probably changed more than that. You know, that, that tends to replicate and change quicker than that. Um, we also understand now a lot of information about epigenetics, which means that it's not necessarily just about the genes you have, but it's about the genes you use. Um, and so, you know, that helps to explain why some people seemingly uh, do do well on a non-paleo diet, you know, uh, but it's really hard to know who does and who doesn't. You know, we don't really have any good way of determining who has evolved their, you know, epigenome, who has evolved their microbiome to the point where they can deal with some of those non-paleo foods better than perhaps others. Um, so I find for me and for many people I work with, it's easier just to go back to that simple paleo diet because we know that our body has evolved to work with that. We know that that can work for our body. Um, we know that that's what we were eating for millions and millions of years. Um, and so getting back closer to that tends to take a lot of the stress off of our bodies. For lots of people, they'll notice things like less inflammation. They'll notice um, normalization of their weight. They'll notice improvements in their energy, improvements in their immune function. All sorts of stuff you'll see people will notice anecdotally from doing that. You know, the, there's re- some research there showing that it might make some of those changes, but the research is pretty early still. Um, but the thing with the research, you know, you can chase the research around and around and around when it comes to, to health and to diet. And it's it's not really any good research for anything, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, one week it'll say eggs are good and then eggs are bad and then eggs are good and then eggs are, you know, and you end up just doing your head in, which is one of the reasons I love the paleo diet. Because it's like, well, if we just go back to what our bodies are designed to eat, you know, we kind of know what that is. It doesn't change too much. Here we discover new things about it from time to time. But it doesn't change too much, and we've got a pretty good template there we can go with that's not going to be flip-flopping around all the time based on 
what the latest research on mice happens to say is the best thing for us to do now. Um, so, you know, um, so essentially what it is, is it's living the way our bodies were designed to live, or at least as close as possible. So getting back to whole real foods, you know, meats, healthy meats, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds and water, you know, simple, simple stuff. Doesn't mean your meals have to be that simple, but they can be if you want them to be. It doesn't have to be complex. Some people look at the paleo diet cookbooks and see these, you know, four tier cakes and um, you know extravagant meals and think, wow, you know, that must be really hard living paleo. But it can be just meat and three veg. That's fine too. Um, so it's really simple. You know, it's about you know, when it comes to movement, it's about moving in in the way your body is designed to. You know, it's not lying flat on your back on a pec deck and pushing a weight directly above your head. You know, it, it's not. It's <laughs> so not are you telling wrong. me those infomercial machines are not doing the job? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, you know what I do? I picture those infomercial machines when I see them on those daytime TV ads. I do watch them every now and then. And what I imagine is a caveman on the infomercial machine <laughs> doing that movement. And, and that just points out to when I ridiculous. imagine that in my head, I realize yeah. how ridiculous that is. Yeah. They're like, well, what would they ever need to do that movement for? You know that one where they kind of swivel? They've yeah. got their hands hooked in and their legs yeah. go side to side on this like little swivel? Like, what is that movement for? And the other one that <laughs> I mean, looks like, you know, a woman in, you know, in leg clamps doing giving birth, you know, childbirth in yeah. the air. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I totally couldn't agree with you more, Brett. I'm just, I look at those things and think, what the heck? Because Primal movement. Yeah. Tell us what primal movement it's is. It's probably what best people not for you to, to answer when you would ever do that in your life, Ashley. But most of the time, <laughs> but it, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty odd movements that you're not going to do very often in your lifetime. Whereas, you know, something like a squat or a jump or a, you know, a, a Turkish get up. You know, getting up off of the ground with a weight. You know, these these are normal movements. These are things you, you know, if my if my grandma has to come home from shopping with her shopping bags, you know, she needs to be able to either squat or deadlift to put those bags down on the ground so that she can open her front door and go in the front door. You know, these are movements that everyone has to be able to do in their life. And so it makes more sense to me that that's the way we should train our body because it's going to prepare us for life, but also that that's the way our bodies are designed to move because we're now learning more and more that our bodies are designed to move and that the, the fact that we don't move as much as we don't move, you know, we're so sedentary. They reckon now the average office worker sits for about 16 hours a day, which is unbelievable. Um, so that, yeah. That's the average. That's scary that they're taking the on a few hours compared yeah. to the rest of us. Like, you know, I can imagine, <laughs> you know, Andrea, you, me, definitely don't qualify those hours in our lifetime. And what else are other people taking for our hours on average? It's uh, it's a scary thought, isn't it? And instead of, like you said, and instead of going back to basics and learning these, relearning sometimes, relearning these primal movements that, you know, the squats and the deadlifts and things, um, we're just modifying a lifestyle. So, you know, in the bathroom, for example, I've seen how many more bathrooms now they're putting handrails in so you can lower yourself to the toilet yeah. seat rather than using the God-given yeah. legs and limbs you're given to be able to safely <laughs> squat to the, to the toilet bowl, which... You know, if you can't squat exactly. to the toilet seat without using a handrail to get you down, then your joints, your limbs are not moving the way they're designed to. Exactly. And and it is very much that, you know, use it or lose it. You know, mm. there are so many people who are losing it as they get older way more than they would have in previous generations because they're just not using it. They're so sedentary. They're so lacking in function and movement in their bodies that their bodies are losing that capability much earlier than they otherwise could. So, Brett, uh, I would love to ask, um, what would a day in your household or a day on your plate kind of look like then? So if you're eating, you know, this beautiful way that, that's really natural, that's just, you know, how our, our body's designed to to eat and function, um, yeah. what, what would brekkie be like for you? 
Well, yeah, I'm very variable. I don't have a set day. You know, mm-hmm. my days do vary quite a lot. You know, sometimes I practice in the morning, sometimes I practice in the afternoon, sometimes I've got the kid, sometimes I don't have the kids. You know, so my my exercise, my routine varies quite a bit. But most of the time, I'll have two meals a day rather than three. Um, not really deliberately. Um, I've found that's just as I've started living a more paleo lifestyle, as I've started fueling myself and become, I guess, a bit more of a fat burner rather than a carb burner, I've found that I've naturally just kind of switched to two meals a day. Um, so most of the time that means breakfast. Um, often I won't have breakfast until 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning because um, mm-hmm. I'm just not really hungry before then. Um, and often that is either um, like scrambled eggs so eggs with bucket loads of veggies in it. So, you know, capsicums and zucchinis and lots of spinach and that sort of stuff. Usually a bit of bacon in there as well, chopped up in that scrambled eggs. And, and I'll have a big serve of that. Uh, or it might be a smoothie. So I might have a smoothie with like berries and cacao and bananas and honey and um, almonds, sometimes eggs, um, that sort of stuff um, into a smoothie. Or I might have a green smoothie, lots of spinach and that sort of stuff too. So it, it's often either bacon and eggs or uh, – or a smoothie, or if I'm out and about, I'll usually get a big breakfast. Yeah, my classic order is I'll order the big breakfast. I'll say no toast, no hash brown, but add avocados and spinach. I, that, that's like I just about wrote learn that. It just, it just comes out of my mouth every time I go into a cafe because that's what I order pretty much every time. Um, so that's usually that. Um, or on weekends, you know, my kids and I do pancakes on the weekends. That's our special thing we do. So I do paleo pancakes every Sunday morning with the kids. That's our favorite meal of the week. And, oh, and so that cute. is like, the recipe is like two eggs, one banana, um, some cinnamon, some vanilla essence, and that's it. So easy. Sometimes we put uh, blueberries in there. Sometimes we put cacao in there just to mix it up. So we have chocolate ones or blueberry ones or strawberry ones or whatever. Um, but it's just that simple. Yeah, you know, I usually mix a triple batch of that for myself and the kids or sometimes like a four or five times that batch now because I've got Steph, myself, and the kids here. <laughs> and... Um, so, you know, we, we love that. We, we smash that on the weekends. And then dinner is usually, um, you know, meat and veg or meat and salad. Like it's like, you know, a roast. Last night was a roast with lots of roast veggies. Um, Charlotte's favorite is honey mustard chicken. So we do that at least once a week. We have honey mustard chicken either with sweet potato chips and broccolini or, uh, or with salad. Um, Tom likes sausages, so we'll have some paleo sausages with some sweet potato chips and some broccolini. Um, <laughs> yeah, we might have some fish and chips, which is usually sweet potato chips and fish, like coated in almond meal. Um, just you know, pretty simple stuff. Yeah, you know, might do a barbecue with lots of veggies, but it's it's I'm pretty simple. Like I really don't cook any complex recipes most of the time. You know, sometimes I'll branch out and do a you know a paleo pizza or you know something special for the kids mostly, but most of the time it's just pretty simple stuff. And so our uh, lovely listeners, doesn't this just ground? Yeah, I was about to say to everyone listening, must be just like taste buds are starting to water, and and unless you're you know <laughs> yeah. vegan or vegetarian, then that probably doesn't hit the spot quite right for you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but really like for that. everyone else, so I do do a good <laughs> vegan lasagna. Oh, okay. So see, we can go paleo, and we don't have to uh, you know fall into the trap thinking it's all about meat because that was one myth I really wanted to bust. <laughs> you know, one of the big criticisms of paleo was it's too meat heavy, it's too fat heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's counterintuitive. We shouldn't be having that much. Um, no one should be paleo. And the, the big critics are out there loud and, and shouting about this. But um, as yeah. you know, that's not the case. You can have small amounts. You can moderate that. You can, you know, choose only white meats. You can how – yeah. how do you, I guess, handle that kind of criticism? And what would you suggest to the ladies listening who think, well, hang on, I'm not really into the bacon and eggs, but, you know, yeah. I can see the spinach and mushroom and, and eggs might be my thing. 
Um, yeah, yeah what, what do you suggest? Well, it, it's, you know, the, the paleo diet or the paleo lifestyle is really a framework and you mm. can adapt that however you want. There's so many different versions of it. And, you know, historically there were so many different versions of it. So if you look at some of the Papua New Guinean tribes, you know, there are tribes there that were essentially eating about 80%, 80% sweet potatoes. You know, so they were very much a vegetable-rich diet in their paleo diet. You know, you look at other tribes, you look at the Inuits, and they were like all fat and blubber, basically. They were all fat and meat. That's pretty much all they ate. So there's a, there's a real diversity there in terms of what people traditionally ate on the paleo diet. And as a result, there can be a real diversity in terms of what people do now. You know, we did an interview recently on that paleo show, which was plant-based paleo diet. And he was talking about how he converted from you know, perhaps a diet probably more like mine into a much more plant-based version of a paleo diet, which had worked really well for him. He, did, he does great on that. He looks fantastic. And so um, you know, there's lots of different ways people can do that. You don't have to have lots of meat. And in fact, most of us don't have lots. I mean, I, what I've just described to you there probably sounded like quite a meat-heavy diet. But you know, when I do scrambled eggs, it doesn't look like scrambled eggs. Like it looks like scrambled vegetables with a little bit of egg chucked in. Like, like because mm-hmm. I just put so many veggies in there. Um, you know, when I do a roast, there's bucket loads of veggies in the tray. On the, you know, there's way more veggies than there is meat in there. Um, so there's still lots of vegetables in there. And at the same time, you know, you can do a vegan paleo diet. You know, you can do paleo. Um, it, you know, just cut out the grains, cutting out the dairy, cutting out the sugars and, and just eating real food. Um, you can do that if you're a vegan as well. You know, you, you're not going to get necessarily all of the, um, you know, or you just have to work a little bit harder to get all of the proteins you need to get, but you can certainly do it. Um, you can still get the omega-3s. You know, perhaps some of the EPA, DHA is probably the only thing you might struggle to convert fully and efficiently. But for the most part, you can get all of those nutrients um, by doing a, a vegan or a vegetarian version of a paleo diet as well um, without some of those more inflammatory foods that we tend not to deal so well with. Yeah, Brett, that's so cool. And I like how you talk about the fact that meat is almost like your condiment to your meal, if you know what I mean, rather than yeah. it, everything is based around some big hunk of steak that takes yeah. up your entire plate, which I think people have that misconception about the they paleo do. diet. That they, um, they do. The, they, they literally think I have like a goat leg and I'm just like <laughs> holding it up on my one end and, and chewing off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And But it's raw. It, it's raw, right? And you're like yeah. squatting on the floor while you're eating it. Yeah, like <laughs> We've all seen the Flintstones, you see. So we, we know yeah. that that's how paleo people <laughs> ate because the Flintstones did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Brett, can I just ask your personal opinion on this? And since um, the, the word paleo, I guess, has really taken off, I'm sure you've seen on Instagram that there's so many different variations of this, which is yeah. probably good in one way, but... Are like Oreo cookies uh, or a version of, say, paleo oreos? I just don't understand how that on any spectrum can be paleo when it's so full of, even though they're natural sweeteners. But have we got a little bit way with there? I think I think what we, what people are trying to do is they're trying to get in some of the treats that they'd like to have and just make them a little bit healthier for themselves. You know, so perhaps calling it paleo might not be the right thing to do, but it's a good descriptor <laughs> to say, you know, it's an easy way to say that it's grain-free and it's sugar-free and it's dairy-free. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so it may not be what the cavemen eat, but it's probably better than the one you buy from the store in the packet. You know, And I'm oh, okay with that. Yeah. I, I think one of the challenges comes, though, when people think that that's what the paleo diet is. right? So then people go, well, I've been doing paleo for the last 30 days and I'm not seeing the changes I wanted to get. And you ask them what they're having and they're having all these really complex 
process the meals. You know, what people need to understand is that, you know, 99% of the benefits you'll get are from doing the simple things really, really well. And the confusion comes in when, um, you know, you look on Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook, you know, because let's face it, like posting meat and three veg on, on your Facebook <laughs> account each day is probably not going to get you bucket loads of visitors. You know, like, like it's not, those are not the Instagram accounts with like the 5 million followers. Those are the ones that do the awesome paleo desserts and three decker cakes and these incredible things because at the end of the day, people want those, don't they? Like, you know, they look great and you think that looks like fun. But some people think that's what paleo is and so they start eating like that all the time and wondering why they're not getting the benefits when really even those people who you see with those amazing recipes, you know, most of the time what they eat at home is simple paleo stuff. It, it's meat and three veg, it's scrambled eggs, it's, it's simple, simple, it's roasts, you know, simple meals um, that are just really nutrient-dense and really nourishing for your body. Would it be fair to say that your gorgeous children, Tom and Charlotte, uh, don't see paleo as paleo? They just see that as normal food with mum and dad? Like it's just their normal yeah. thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's different for them now because they eat differently with their mum to what they do with me. So uh, they okay. just see it as how dad eats. Cool. <laughs> so yeah. that's, just what, that's just how we eat at dad's house. And and it's not a big deal for them. Like they don't, they're not fussed by it. Yeah. They know that that's what they eat at dad's house. They're happy. Um, because I've really communicated with them about why we eat that way and what, particularly why they would want to eat that way. Um, and so they're happy to do it. And, and they know that if there's something particularly they want to eat, then they can chat to me. And, and this is perhaps where some of those treats come in. You know, they yeah. can chat to me and say, hey, Dad, we really want pizza. You know, can you make a healthy version? And, and these sort of conversations go on in my house all the time because what I've taught them is that, you know, you can have the pizza if you really want to from the shop, but the pizza from the shop will taste good when you first eat it, but it might make you feel a bit yucky afterwards. You know, and mm-hmm. we talk to them about what sort of stuff they might notice and they might experience. And then I have the conversation with them and I say, well, look, we could do that and we could go to the shop and we could buy it. Or I can get the ingredients. I can make a pizza at home with healthy ingredients. The cool thing about that is not only is it going to feel good when you eat it because it's still going to taste really good, but you're actually going to feel good afterwards and that day and the next day as well. And you're going to be fueled better to run faster or jump higher or dance like a ballerina or you know whatever it happens to be <laughs> that is their thing at the moment that they're excited about. Um, and so I have those conversations with them. And I say, what do you want to do? And, and naturally, they say, well, we want the healthy one because we want to have a good now and later. And I go, cool, let's do that. And so we go to the shops together. We buy the ingredients and we make up the healthy versions. Um, and so the cool thing is that they actually want to do that, that they're actually um, – they're constantly saying – like Tom picked stuff out like the other day. Tom saw someone eating an ice cream. He's like, hey, Dad, can you make a healthy version of an ice cream cone? I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I'll give it a go. So <laughs> you know, my, my next challenge is to try. Maybe if someone, anyone that's got a good recipe for a paleo ice cream cone, I'll be curious to hear. Um, but, you know, and, and we do like our ice cream. Our version of ice cream is just sorbet, basically. It's it's frozen berries with a little bit of coconut cream blended up in the Thermomix. It's like a 10-second dessert, and the kids yeah. love it. It's delicious. Um, so, so this is family-friendly food, basically. That's what it comes down to. That um, for anyone who's worried yeah. about transitioning their family home into a space where you know paleo might be their primary way that they'd like to eat, and they're thinking, oh, but if I take the chips away yeah. from the kids, they're going to hate me. I'm going to have fights all the time. It's really about that education process, just like you went through with your children, saying, hey, but you know, guys, did you know that it's not that normal and it's not that okay to feel like this, to have you know farty tummies and and bloated. T- tummies and feeling yucky and and having you know being feeling really tired in the mornings it's that's not okay that's not normal um so you, you can help children I, understand I make my kids 
I make my kids gelatin lollies. I make my kids marshmallows. I make them chocolates. I make like like they don't miss out. They they yeah. get. I mean, we don't have it all the time. But seriously, my kids had chocolate with their breakfast this morning. They had a little chocolate <laughs> at the end of their breakfast. This and you don't feel guilty so, about that? <laughs> awesome. not, no, because Love because it. it was like it's like cacao, honey, um, cocoa butter, um, and coconuts and almond. That that was all that was in it. You know, awesome. It's like a health food. Fine. Oh man, so, Brett, I want to come and eat at your house. This stuff sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Brett, can we just uh, change tunes for a second here? Can you just share with us why is it that you are barefoot most of the time? I'm sure I've seen you with shoes on at least once, maybe just once. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually not barefoot most of the time. I've got to be honest. <laughs> um, so most of the time, most of the time, I eat, I wear barefoot shoes. Yeah. Um, and then some of the time I'm totally barefoot. Um, so that's, that's probably the, to be fair, that's, it gets, it skews a little bit more in summer when I'm without shoes more often. <laughs> um, but you know, in winter particularly, I spend a lot of my time with my barefoot shoes on. Um, but the reason is it's natural. It's the way our bodies are designed to work. You know, our bodies didn't evolve walking around with a one to four inch heel under their, you know, uh, a lift under their heel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that that changes your whole posture. You know, everyone's probably seen by now those infographics where, you know, you see the lady in high heels and how it affects her whole posture. It affects her ankles, her calves, her, you know, cause increased curve in her lower back, cause her upper back to arch forwards, cause the head to come forwards. It really affects the whole rest of your posture. Um, so just for that reason, um, but it also affects the biomechanics. So you know, the thing I always find funny is you see these guys like lecturing girls about their high heels, but then they're walking around with these dress shoes that have like this, like, you know, one and a half inch sport, especially the shorter guys. Maybe they've got the two inch one. <laughs> and they have this massive wedge under their heel themselves. It's like, well, you guys don't any better. Like, seriously. Um, so for all the girls out there, just know, you know, you can throw that one back at your partner. That's totally fine. Or even or, they're, they're or, you know, they're throw the high shoes. heel at them because, you know, if they're going to complain That's, about it. <laughs> okay, so that's very paleo. Yeah, yeah, practice, yeah. Your <laughs> practice your um, hardy skills. Been wearing your high heel. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that. Um, there's also the proprioceptive aspect of it. So we know that when your feet are moving and functioning well, and particularly the, the closer they are to the ground and the more feedback they get from the ground, um, then it stimulates nerve endings in your feet, and actually helps send messages back to your brain, which helps release dopamine and serotonin. Uh, you know, many of those messages come from your spine. That's why we as chiropractors are really passionate about that. But outside of your spine, then your feet are a really important source of those messages. They release dopamine and serotonin. They help switch off the stress response in your body, which is linked in with really all sorts of chronic diseases, inflammation. You know, your your whole health really can be linked back into that stress response in your body. So getting your feet moving, getting your feet closer to nature, getting some of that uh, irregularity from the ground, um, whether that be, you know, whether you're losing that because of high heels or, as I said, dress shoes or modern runners with their arch supports and built-up heels and gels and whatever else goes into those modern runners nowadays, incidentally, none of which has really been shown to have any benefit whatsoever. Um, getting back to natural, you know, and so – it just allows your body to function in the way that it was designed to function. Um, and what you tend to find is, you know, there've been some really interesting studies where they've put people on a treadmill and they've measured the reaction forces that go back up their bodies when they're in conventional running shoes, for example. And then they take those runners off. They get them to run barefoot on the treadmill without any training whatsoever. And the ground reaction forces going back up their limbs is actually less than when they're in the runners with the big padded heels because it naturally oh, no. changes your posture. It naturally changes your running technique. You know, I often say to people, you think about it a bit like, you know, when you walk across a gravel path, right? when you mm-hmm. walk across a kind of sharp gravel path, you don't just slam your heel down into the ground, right? Because that really hurts. You don't go right up onto your tippy toes because that really hurts too. 
you have your foot in quite a neutral position and you put the front of your foot down slightly before your heel so that you can just ease your heel down onto the ground. And when you do that, there's much less force going back up your, through your feet, back up into your legs. It's a much more healthy, natural way for your body to work and it takes a lot of the pressure off your ankles, your knees, your hips, your lower back. That's essentially what happens when you get more in, to, in tune with the ground, get more barefoot. You know, as whether it's barefoot shoes or totally barefoot, um, it, it helps you get more of that feedback from the ground, which naturally helps you change your technique, your posture, all that sort of stuff. Oh, that makes so much sense. Um, yeah, and it, just like the what you were describing with the way you were eating as well, but it just makes sense, and it's just getting us back to you know, this stuff that we've forgotten over the last few years with just some really powerful advertising and marketing that, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we need these colorful things when, um, you know, it may not be the best thing for us. So if we just want to recap just on a couple of things that Brett's talked about there, because I know there's been stacks of information and I love that you started with your chiropractic journey and you were talking about how, um, you know, this just helped you understand how the body works um, and that it doesn't need anything. It just needs no interference. And I love that. Um, and then we were talking about, the paleo lifestyle and how that's just, you know, a natural way of, of eating and, and living and moving really. And then that barefoot it, or, you know, being barefoot or using barefoot shoes is just an extension of that as well. So it's just honoring that the body is designed to be like that. And that's probably from a postural, from a uh, proprioceptive um, standpoint as well. It's probably what is the best thing for us too. Um, so Brett, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. Um, this was all incredible information. We're definitely going to have you back on really soon because I know you've got some really exciting things in the pipeline. I won't give away anything today. Um, oh, can we talk about it or not? Is it too soon? Yeah, go on. Go on. Oh. I'm terrible at keeping secrets. <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, so oh, Brett, I don't know if I'm going to do it just, I'm going to let you share your, uh, your super exciting news. <laughs> Well, yeah, it, it's all it all it is all still up in the air at the moment. But I have just signed a contract with Primal Blueprint Publishing, which is really exciting for them to publish my book Nourish Without Nagging, which is all about that kids eating stuff. I touched on some of the principles of that a little bit earlier, but there's a whole bunch more as well. But it's all around how to get your kids to love eating healthy food rather than feel like they have to or should eat healthy food. Is getting them gonna, to, to involved in the process. We're going to devote an entire episode to that a little bit later on. So, ladies, stay tuned for that. Um, and and Brett, was there Anything else that you wanted to? Um... Well, there's there's another book in the pipeline. So I've I've written a book proposal for another book. Um, it's with Hay House at the moment, who are quite keen on it. Uh, there's no final decision there as to whether they're taken on board or not. But that one's called Rock Bottom, and and that's all about uh, my journey, really through, um, you know, divorce and separation and child custody and issues with opera and um, you know all of those sort of things that, that have been you know challenges for me over the last three to four years. Um, and how I've dealt with that and how I've come out the other side of that. And so um, I'm writing that into a book at the moment. I, you guys would have heard I spoke about that at the Wellness Summit um, mm-hmm. and it was really well received and, and resonated with a lot of people. So, you know, I've realized that that's a message that's really important to get out there. I think particularly for guys and from a, from a men's health standpoint, but also, you know, obviously I found the summit certainly resonating with a lot of the females there as well um, was just, you know, th- those similar stresses and challenges and, um, things that we need to overcome and, and how difficult that can be and how hard that can be. So, um, yeah, so talking about that in, in the, my next book as well, um, which hopefully will be out I don't know, sometime within the next year or so. 
what an exciting year to come. We are absolutely can't wait. And, you know, you've said things there. It's so real, isn't it, to have something that you're writing that deals with children and family, the stuff that we all have to go through at some point in our life where we have to make those choices and decide whether we put our foot down or whether we, you know, budge a little and let the kids have their way and how we get around that. And, of course, <laughs> rock bottom resonates with everyone. We've all been somewhere we, we didn't like being, but we've got to find ways through that um, murky water and, and come back out swimming so that uh, we're stronger and better for it. And I think from a woman's perspective, reading something like that from you, Brett, would be amazing to help us understand the men close in our life as well. So from a female's Definitely. point, I'd be like, really, I can't wait to get a hand on that because it just it really helps you understand how guys think and feel and do because I know that we've had a lot of male listeners listening to this going, oh, so that's how my wife's going. Well, that, <laughs> that's why she behaves that way or that's what happens when, you know, oh, right. You know, it's like light bulb moments yeah. about the other sex. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what they do, what they do, what they do. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. Ladies listening and everyone who's out there, um, you can catch Dr. Brett Hill on um, drbretthill.com, drbretthill.com. Lots of great resources there. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. He's prolific around there. He's on the wellness couch. So there's no shortage of ways for you to, to find out more about him. But please go onto his website because there's some great links and some great things that are on there. Um, yeah. Andy, anything else you want to throw in? <laughs> No, no, that's great. Um, ladies, we hope you've loved this episode. Let us know what you think about um, Brett and his uh, caveman barefoot ways. <laughs> if you've loved this episode, please uh, make sure you're rating us on iTunes. We love our five-star ratings and our comments there. So, ladies, thank you so much for that. We really, really do appreciate your support. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thewellnesswomen or just on our website, thewellnesswomen.com.au. Oh, we're on Instagram as well, so make sure you're following us on there. Uh, ladies, we want to hear what you want to hear about as well, so make sure you let us know. Um, and until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts. Damo, do you want the first and only certified organic bone broth in Australia? Do you want a broth with no hidden thickeners, yeast, extract, salt or flavour enhancers? MP, I want a broth made by hand from start to finish with nothing but love and positive vibes. Well, that's why you're left with only one broth, Damo, and that is Broth of Life. Ho, ho, ho. Choose from dehydrated bone broth in chicken, beef and lamb. You'll also find FODMAP-friendly stock. That's FODMAP-friendly stock, veggie stock and chicken salt, all available at brothoflife.com.au. And a special for Wellness Couch listeners. Enter the code WellnessCouch2016 at the checkout before November 30 for 10% off your order. So awesome. The code again is wellnesscouch2016, only at brothoflife.com.au.